0: This is the Blue White Breakdown, the premier
1: podcast for all things Penn State football. Talk about culture. It's something
0: that should show up in every aspect of your program.
1: It's the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Penn Live. Here are your hosts, Bob Flounders and Johnny McGonagall.
0: Penn State fans, Blue White Breakdown time. Uh, Bob Flounders joined by Johnny McGonagall. It's Monday, early afternoon. <laughs> Already been a busy, busy last, I don't know, last 72 hours in college football in every aspect of it. Johnny, we could probably spend four hours uh, on this podcast talking about all the stuff that happened over the weekend, a lot of it involving Penn State, but let's narrow our focus. We're going to have a couple of podcasts this week. We want to talk about the bowl date. We want to talk about the new OC, and we want to talk about just kind of the start of what's going to be a very hectic transfer Portal season, Johnny, uh, I guess let's just start with, let's start with the peach bowl and then we're going to go right to, uh, Penn state's new play caller on offense.
1: Sounds good to me, Bob. Yeah, no, it's been, it's been a hectic few days. Uh, you know, the news comes out, uh, last Thursday, uh, that it's going to be Andy, Andy as the new offensive coordinator coming over from Kansas that gets confirmed by Penn state and announced on Friday. We find out Sunday, Now, Penn State's going to the Peach Bowl. They're playing Ole Miss. Uh, They finished number 10 in the final college football playoff rankings, Ole Miss number 11. Uh, So a a nice matchup for the Nittany Lions, one that we'll break down a little bit more here. Uh, And then, you know, we're we're recording this on Monday afternoon during a a brief lull. Uh, You know, (laughs) wouldn't be surprised if it picks up, you know, while we're recording or, or right after Bob, but the transfer portal is open to all college football players uh, it had been open uh, for a bit, you know, for graduate transfers uh, to enter. That's why you saw some, you know, offers already go out uh, from Penn State's end. But now it's open to uh, everyone uh, who wants to who wants to transfer. We've seen some big names go in already across college football. Uh, a couple of understandable entrants uh, for Penn State, and and would expect some more there. But uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a crazy time for us. It's a crazy time for James Franklin and and his staff. Uh, and yeah, we'll, we'll get into it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Johnny. And I think, I think that what the fans really want to hear about is the new offensive, uh, coordinator, cause he's got quite a reputation in a, in a good way for all the stuff he's done, but just the thoughts on the peach bowl. <laughs> I don't know, Johnny, I think some older Penn state fans are going to be, are going to have it in for Lane Kiffin because he poached Silas red, uh, prior to the 2012 season when he was the USC head coach. I believe he was, he was the head coach then and took him away from Billy O'Brien. Uh, so they're going to remember that, but it is a pretty. it sounds like it's going to be a pretty fascinating matchup, a very good SEC team against one of the best teams uh, in the Big Ten. Johnny, I, I, a lot of people are talking about this as being a uh, defense versus offense game, but it's hard to put a label on it, whatever it's going to be, until you know who, for, until you know who's going to be playing in the game.
1: Yeah, well, Bob, we were able to talk to both James Franklin and Lane Kiffin Uh, a few hours after the bowl was announced on Sunday night. Lane said that he doesn't expect any opt-outs on his end because he put it pretty bluntly. He said, you know, there aren't many guys on our team that are getting those kind of grades, those draft grades that would, you know, uh, would imply or would lead to uh, a bowl opt-out. Penn State does have a few of those guys. And and Lane even said, you know, he said, look, these coaches don't know the ins and outs of their teams yet. You know, they just, of the teams they're facing, like, they just found out that they were playing each other in the Peach Bowl, but Lane said that one of his personnel guys uh, gave him a heads up that there are a couple of you know possible first round picks on the defense. And, and Lane said that he was a little disappointed that you know James Franklin wasn't hopping on the press conference to announce that they were opting out, uh, and, and those two guys, uh, Chop Robinson, uh, and, and potentially Kalen King, who was a preseason All American uh, and and had that first round projected grade early. Uh, early on in the season and even in August in the summer. Uh, so we'll see if those two end up playing in the Peach Bowl. We'll see uh, Olu Fashanu as well, the left tackle, who was a projected, not only projected first-round pick, but right now projected top-five pick and really could have been last year. So, yeah, I, I don't expect to see Olu uh, play in this game. Uh, if he does, then then he'll be on a snap count. Same deal with Chop. Uh, but we'll we'll just have to wait and see. Uh, you know, Typically, those announcements for the opt-outs will come uh at any moment any day uh you know in in the next in in the next week or two
0: yeah first round's a whole new world you know it's I know I know there's some NIL money at stake but a first round guy to play in a bowl game that is not a playoff game you know I think he would be getting advice to the contrary on that we'll see Uh, Olu, I think has a lot to be in the first round I think chop has got a really good chance to go in the first round as well I'm not sure about Kaelin King Anymore, I just don't think they, you know, you saw the All Big Ten vote. He came out very good player. I don't know that he took a step forward, but I guess that is debatable. But yeah, uh, it's funny, Johnny, because two years ago when Penn State uh, started five and zero and they they were they you know they finished seven and six, they were leaking oil going into the Outback Bowl, which was not what anyone would call a marquee bowl. I don't think Penn State's NIL program was really structured uh, the way that they wanted it to at that time, and they had a they had a ton. A ton of opt-outs. It was a 7-5 and five team. Jahan Dotson was on that team. He was, you know, in the first round conversation. They had a lot of guys opt out of that game. But it wasn't that way uh, last year for the Rose Bowl. A more prestigious game. A team that really wanted to finish on a high note. Um, it could be more of that than maybe the 2021 game where you just saw, like every other day, they were losing a pretty good player. and A lot of them were on defense along with Jahan Dotson. But it could be fewer maybe than a lot of people expect. But I'm with you. It's hard for me to see Olu uh, putting anything at risk in a, in a bowl game when he could, you know, he could be a top five pick.
1: Yeah, it, it helps that it's the Peach Bowl. It helps that it's a New Year's Six Bowl. Uh, it's not the Outback Bowl, but it's also not the College Football Playoff, which is uh, what this team and and what those guys, you know, especially Olu. You know, I, I remember talking to him out, out at the Rose Bowl before the game game that he didn't play in because of an injury, but he talked about his decision to come back for this season. And he mentioned national championship, and these guys had mentioned that uh, throughout the offseason, that that was a goal of theirs was to compete for the Big Ten title, compete for the national title, make the first college football playoff in program history, and that didn't happen. Um, but it's still a good, it's still a good bowl game. There, going into conference championship weekend, there was a chance that Penn State wouldn't make a New Year's Six bowl game if you know if Oklahoma State had beaten Texas, or you know if Iowa had not only scored a point but uh, but you know beat Michigan, uh, then they would have stolen. New Year Six bids as power five conference champions. That didn't happen. Uh also Penn State, I think, really lucked out in the opponent because I I feel for Oregon fans, you know, you you just lost the the Pac twelve title game uh to Washington and now you're playing Liberty. Like I understand and, and appreciate and agree with, you know, the group of five being represented uh in the uh in the you know the New Year's six games, but Boy, I, I would have had SMU uh, in that in that slot personally. But either way, so you you you, you, know, you face Memphis a few years ago in the Cotton Bowl. Um, I, I think interest around that game was a little lower, relatively speaking, than than it would have been against a Power Five opponent. So they got a Power Five opponent in, in Ole Miss. Uh, I'm looking forward, Bob, to you know when we're down there in Atlanta, you know, just all of the all the bowl prep, all the lead up for the next month. You know, the, the quotes that may or may not come out of uh, Lane Kiffin uh, and and even the tweets potentially, we'll see. Uh, but I think it's a good matchup for Penn State. It's a good situation. Uh, they've never played in the Peach Bowl before. Uh, I've covered the Peach Bowl before. Mercedes-Benz Stadium is really, really cool. Uh, it, it's worth seeing a game there. Uh, it's an easy flight down to Atlanta from Philly or Pittsburgh or even Harrisburg. Uh, and so, um, yeah, I think all all things considered a pretty good situation for a 10-2 and Penn State team that, while they didn't accomplish the goals they wanted to this year, it's still you know the fifth new Year's sixth game in James Franklin's ten years as head coach.
0: Yeah, before we get to the o c Johnny, I think I would be remiss if I didn't ask you because you followed it uh, very closely uh, from the first set of rankings. Um, do you think the committee got it right? Are the best four teams in the
1: playoff? I do, and it's just it's really unfortunate for Florida State, you know what else can they do, right? They go undefeated. Uh, in the power five Conference when their win their conference championship, but you know that that's that that little you know rule or or consideration, you know missing a significant player. I just don't think Florida State is the same team without Jordan Travis. I mean, you were talking about a Heisman contending quarterback. um and and look, they scheduled SEC teams like they scheduled LSU. But once Bama lost to or excuse me, once Bama beat Georgia,, uh, I thought not only did Georgia or excuse me, Bama, you know deserve to be in, but if you're putting Bama in, you can't leave Texas out. And I I think I think they got it right. uh, Even though I understand the outrage and the and the vitriol and Mike Norvell's statement and everything coming out of Tallahassee, like I totally get it. Because again, what else can you do if you're the Seminoles? Uh, This is why we need a a 12 team playoff. I I can't wait. Um, But this was also it was kind of fitting in a sense, Bob. Uh, unfortunately for the Seminoles, but for this to be the, the first real controversy, I think uh, of a team like that being left out a year away from the co- from the twelve team playoff being implemented.
0: Yeah, and correct me if I'm wrong, Tony, Wasn't there a chance they could have <clears throat> they could have t- was this always going to be four or did they did they make a decision within the last year to keep it at four for this year? In other words, could there have been a smaller expansion this year to keep and, and they decided to keep it at four or was it always going from Four to twelve in 2024.
1: There have been so there have been so much talks around possible expansion earlier, moving it up. And James Franklin mentioned that uh, as you know as a possibility when when he was asked uh, by a reporter, I believe from the AP on the on the Peach Bowl call about uh, everything that went down on Selection Sunday, and Franklin had mentioned that I, I think that was a possibility, but um, I don't know how realistic um, or strongly considered it was.
0: This is the Blue-White
1: Breakdown.
0: Johnny, the new name to know if you're a Penn State fan. Andy, cool tell Nicky. I think I got that right. Uh, Kansas OC. Uh, Penn State fans won't remember the game, but in 2019, they played Buffalo early in the season. And it was actually a game for a, a half. Penn State was started a little bit slow. Uh, Buffalo, I think, actually scored a touchdown in the first half. He, I believe he was the OC. For Buffalo, the team that came in, and eventually Penn State won that game. But if you looked at Kansas's offense the last two years, it wasn't this. And you looked at the box score; it wasn't the box score I was used to seeing because they had become a much more effective, dangerous uh, offense, and they were hanging with some very good teams. And for the longest time, and you know, other than Mark Mangino, no one really associated Kansas with with football. It's a basketball school, but they were a fun team to watch play on offense. I think that they they shredded they shred Illinois early in the season, uh, right before Penn State played them. But this is a guy that uh, a former offensive lineman, I think, a center, and he is now going to be, as James Franklin put it to you guys, the uh, the quarterback, the uh, the co- the head coach of the offense. Excuse me.
1: Yeah, you mentioned uh, you know Mark Mangino and, and those old Kansas teams. Shout out Todd Reising. Uh, that uh, I, I think it was the Border War where they were number two and Mizzou was number three, or maybe they were both ranked. They were ranked one, two, Uh, but it it had been a while since Kansas was relevant uh, in football. They hadn't reached a bowl game since 2008 before uh, Andy Kotelnicki as the offensive coordinator and Lance Leipold as the head coach. uh, They they were brought in there ahead of the 2021 season and took a year to get their kind of feet uh, settled. And then once they did, you know, they've been bowl eligible uh, for the last two seasons. They've been one of the more prolific offenses. Uh, in the country over the last two years combined, they're averaging seven yards uh, per play, uh, which is really, uh, I mean, it's, it's a high number. I mean, you look at the teams that have averaged more uh, yards per play in that same span Oregon, LSU, USC, Georgia, and Washington. That's a pretty good company uh, to keep, Bob. And so you look at the stats, the explosive stats uh, that they've been able to put up with the Jayhawks over the last two years. Uh, you look at the film, uh, how multiple. Uh, Andy is as a play caller you mentioned him being the head coach of the offense I think that's kind of how uh, you know Penn State and James Franklin need to handle this is really just kind of hands off let him do his thing Uh, they're paying him to do his thing Uh, there are reported numbers out there from both the CDT and the athletic that uh, it's a four-year deal uh, for Andy he's going to be making 1.6 million his first year escalating up 1.7 1.8 I believe then 2 million in 2027 so you know Pat Kraft and the university leadership is paying up, uh, you know, allowing James Franklin to get the guy that he feels uh, will be the one that can reignite this Penn State offense that can push it forward uh, in 2024. When, like we mentioned, that 12 team playoff opens up, you no know, more divisions in the Big Ten. You don't have Michigan on the schedule. Uh, it's a good short term hire, I think. It's a good long term hire as well. This is a guy who you know, projects as a future head coach in the future. So if you only have him for a couple of years, you know, that that's one of those. It's like a good problem to have if he's if he's succeeding at Penn State and doing the job the right way. Uh, you could see him uh, off to be a head coach one day. Um, but I like the hire a lot. What do you think?
0: Um, I like it, too. I was I was curious. Um, I remember, you know, when when he abruptly fired Mike Uricich, um, And this is just this is just these are just my thoughts. Joe Moorhead's name came up uh, right away, and a popular choice uh, with the fan base for all he did for Penn State at 2016, 2017. You know, he left Penn State to become the Mississippi State head coach, uh, OC at Oregon. Uh, The last two years at Akron have not been great, but that's not really a program where you're going to go. It's it's really hard. It's 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 really it's it's just not an easy place uh, to win games in the MAC, but. A lot of people were rooting for him. I my sense though as the longer it went on, Johnny, um <clears throat> that James had something other in mind. I think I think he had I do believe him when he said he had a list and I do believe uh Andy was at the very top of of his of his list. Um and not to say that Joe could have done a great job uh if he came back for another uh another stay in State College, but I think this is the guy I think that that James really wanted and I don't know I don't know um I don't know how far things got with maybe any other uh potential candidate. Uh one other thing, just for the fans, he's not gonna be the OC uh for the bull game. He's gonna be just like they, they did with Manny Diaz coming on board as the DC. He's gonna kind of, and with Moorhead, he's gonna, when he came, when he came over from Fordham, you know, prior to the prior to uh some things going on. He's they're just gonna kind of be there, kind of kind of get to know the program, get to know the players, uh, take it all in. But if you're expected to see him on the sideline for the game, that's not gonna happen.
1: Yeah, I was just about to say that, Bob. It's going to be an you know an observatory role uh, for Andy over the next few weeks, sitting in on on every meeting, building as as many relationships as he can, uh, not only with the players but with the coaching staff as well. Uh, and James commended what Ty Howell and Jaywan Seidel have done as co offensive interim uh, coordinators uh, over the last two games of the season. You know, beating Rutgers, uh, beating Michigan State thoroughly. Uh, and they're going to maintain uh, the, their roles as co-coordinators uh, for this Peach Bowl. But Andy's going to be behind the scenes. He's going to be getting to know guys. You know, obviously, getting to know Drew Aller and Bo Perbula, uh over the next month will be crucial. Uh, evaluating you know the the roster's strengths and weaknesses um, that's something the staff is doing as a whole. Though right now, to be honest, you know, especially with the portal open, and you know, after having conversations with with players individually about you know, where the coaching staff sees them in their futures. Like that's something that is happening ongoing throughout the lash building, uh, right now, but the next few weeks are going to be important for Andy to come in, uh, you know, ingratiate himself, you know, uh, and, and get his, get two feet on the ground, get settled. That way, as soon as the bowl game is over, like Manny Diaz did a couple of years ago, just kind of hit the ground running. Yeah. Yeah.
0: A lot of, lot of stuff was going to happen between now and Penn state's, uh, bowl date. And once, once it starts, usually, usually there's more coming behind it. I do. You're right. There's going to be. I do believe there'll be some opt outs. I'm not sure what the number is going to be. Some some make sense more than others. There's usually a surprise or two um, every year. I'm not sure how that's going to play out this year. I think James and his staff have done a really good job uh, with the way that they have the system in place now that that they've been able to encourage players to maybe just stick around, stick, stay with the team. You know, you're not gonna play much. Uh, you enjoy the trip. You guys earn this. You know, you know, you got plenty of time to get ready for the draft. It could be, and then the, you know, on game day uh, against Ole Miss, they don't play that much. But there's a lot of young players Penn State wants to take a look at. I here I want to follow up with you, Johnny, on the the final four. Um, just your thought. I have some pretty strong thoughts. I watched the Alabama Georgia game. I didn't really pen- pay attention to the Texas game only because I thought it was gonna be. Uh, a complete mismatch, and it was. I deeply regret watching the Michigan Iowa game. Uh, shame on me! It's a terrible waste of a Saturday night. But when you look at the Final Four, I, I have a pretty. I think I know who's going to play in the final. Do you have any strong thoughts as you analyze the Final Four about where it may be headed and who might be? Uh,
1: well, they're not cutting the nets down, but who's who's going to be number one? Well, Bob, you mentioned Texas and Oklahoma State Ooh. being a match. I hope anyone who listened to last week's podcast uh, took took the advice and entailed uh, you know Texas to to cover because that was that was pretty easy. I think it's going to be Michigan beating Bama, and then I think Texas will beat Washington, and I think you're going to have Michigan against Texas in the national title game. And God, it kills me to say this so soon, but I I, I think Michigan's going to win it. What about you?
0: Yeah, I mean. You can you can look at how they've played at times this season and you look about all the allegations swirling around and with the scene stealing and you're like, well, is this really the same team that started the year? Uh, and now that they're kind of been exposed for uh, some of the things that's happened, it is still a very, very talented team at its core. Um, the run game, the offensive line, uh, the defense, it's hard to take. It's hard to read anything into the Iowa game I think they were just trying they were just trying to get in get out stay healthy you know they have they've been in the playoff before that this is what they've been kind of targeting. I don't know how dangerous they are I don't know if they can score enough points um I I, I just don't know to, to, to venture outside of the big Ten uh and win as bad as Penn State's offense was in the state college game against Michigan with that hardball on the field. It was essentially a one-possession game uh, for into into the fourth quarter, and that just was not a good Penn State offense. I think it's going to be Alabama and Texas in a rematch. I think Texas is going to beat Washington. I, I like what Washington's done, and they definitely had uh, Oregon's number. That surprised me um, how well they played Oregon, especially the second time. I thought Oregon was rolling. I think you did too. I just think um, I just think with Alabama and some prep time, and that quarterback is is coming of age, right? In front of our eyes, the plays he's made the last two games in hostile environments. Um, I think is 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 a good sign uh, for Alabama. It almost reminds me. This Alabama team almost reminds me of the 2014 Ohio State team that kind of struggled early in the year. Uh, Penn State almost beat him in double overtime at State College, but they got better and better as that season went. At, uh, you know, kind of transpired, and I think. The way that they can play defense, they played some nasty defense against Georgia, but that mobile quarterback and the weapons they have, I think they're better than Michigan. Uh, I, I look for I look for a Texas-Alabama rematch. And if I'm right, I'm gonna hold off on uh, on my pick. You're on record as saying Michigan. I, I kind of think it might be it might be Alabama's year. I hate to say it. I think they're the two best teams when you look at all three phases. Um, but I am very curious about what Harbaugh and Michigan can do outside of the Big 10 because it really, that's all they really have played this year. They played the Big 10. They didn't really play anyone really in non-conference, and they're a solid team, but I don't know if they have enough firepower, man.
1: Yeah, don't get me wrong. I would, I would love to see Alabama-Texas again, uh, especially with the way both those teams are playing right now. Alabama coming off the win against Georgia. Texas finding its stride over the last couple of weeks. like Quinn Ewers against Jalen Milrow, you know, 2.0. I will take that hands down. Uh, I love what Michael Penix and Washington have done this year. They surprised me against Oregon. They were 10-point underdogs and they win that game, beat Oregon for a second time this year. Like I, I really like what the Huskies have on offense, but I look at what Texas has in the middle of their defense, especially up front at defensive tackle and D end. And I just think they're going to cause Washington too many problems. Uh, and then Michigan, it's one of those, Bob, you look at the quarterbacks on these teams, and Michael Penix is like a Heisman contender. Uh, Jalen Milrow, what he's done over the last two weeks, has been incredible. And Quinn Ewers, it's Quinn Ewers. I, I just think J.J. McCarthy, while he has not really impressed me this year all that much, I think he has a few big plays in him. And that's not big plays going the other way like he had against TCU uh, last year in the semifinal. Uh, and and Michigan's run game, Michigan's defense, like those things travel. Uh, and it, it, it's just one of those where it would just be it would be infuriating to a lot of people to watch Michigan continue winning amid this sign stealing sign stealing scandal. But that's like college football loves a villain, right? Everyone needs a team to hate, and that's it's kind of re- kind of a reason why I think Michigan is going to end up in the national title game. Uh, and and it's one of those where everyone wants a Texas Bama rematch. I, I don't think we're going to be rewarded with that. Yeah
0: you you might be right, uh, and every they do love a villain, and uh, he. I think he thrives. I think he really relishes kind of being that abrasive guy. He's kind of always been that way, right? Even when he was with the Niners, he's just uh, one of those guys. When he was at Stanford, he was a little abrasive, so it just. But he, he sticks to his guns, man. He's he's gonna go. He's gonna go out the way he wants to go out. It's a, it's gonna be a fascinating matchup. Uh, we'll see, Johnny. Before we conclude it, hey, we both had. Uh, we both. It's Monday uh this is today is the deadline to, to vote for the heisman we both had a vote we're not going discu- to divulge anything about uh about who uh we picked but uh it should be interesting to see who wins this i think it's really down to a really a, a very small number of players maybe two but uh maybe just one but johnny uh I, t- my segue is we, we could talk about the heisman but we're not allowed to we could talk a little bit about the transfer portal and things are going to change in Ohio state, man. They, they had a hell of a year. They just lost their starting quarterback.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, I was curious um, <laughs> about Kyle McCord's preseason Heisman odds. Cause they, I think they were decent uh, and Kyle McCord's gone now. I wonder what led to that. I'm sure more information will come out uh, as the hours and days trickle on, but you know, he, I thought he he showed a lively arm at times but then again like against Penn State I don't think he was all that great. Uh against Michigan he had what two interceptions. Maybe that was a conversation between him and Ryan Day and you know Ohio State wanted to go in a different direction or they couldn't guarantee that he would be the starter next year, who knows, but uh and not only Kyle McCord, Julian Fleming, Southern Columbia's own, uh former Penn State uh target n- former number 1 uh wide receiver in the country in the 2020 class, five-star kid. Uh, played four years at Ohio State. I don't think made the impact there that many thought he might. Tough uh, depth chart. Tough depth chart. Yeah, it's it's difficult when you're in a wide receiver room with you know Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, Jas- Jackson Smith, and Jigba, and Marvin Harrison Jr. I think he was, and even Emeka Ibuka. Uh, I think Julian was his best season was last year when he was third on the team in receiving with over 500 yards and six touchdowns. Curious to see if Penn State you know, kicks the tires on that one again. Uh, might be too much bad blood. If you're Penn State and James Franklin, do you really
0: want leftovers? I, it's, a tough, it's a tough sell for me. I, I think that James might wish him the best, uh, but uh, I know they need to upgrade. They need to upgrade the uh,
1: wide opposition. But that would be a really interesting uh, move. I'm going to say that will not happen. I, I would venture to guess the same. But again, this is a wide receiver room at Penn State. That, like you mentioned, Bob, it, they they need they need not only bodies but capable bodies, and we're going to see some bodies leave. Uh, you know, Penn State's roster. We already saw a couple uh, again with the portal opening today, Monday. Um, you know, Christian Driver, wide receiver, who I think played 27 offensive snaps for them this year, uh, wasn't wasn't a factor. Uh, he ultimately he decides to enter the portal. First domino to fall in that wide receiver room, which I wouldn't be surprised if there's a few more that exit the doors and. Uh, as Penn State tries to bring in more instant playmakers for the 2024 season, uh, Alex Bacchetta, as well uh, the punter, uh, he was a scholarship player. You know, you know, for for Penn State to give a specialist a scholarship right away when he was a recruit uh, spoke volumes of what they thought of him then. He was a highly regarded kid uh, coming in, but you know, Riley Thompson won that job. Uh, for the team. had a hell of a year, um, you know, after transferring in from FAU. Curious to see uh, what his situation is because uh, it's kind of unclear whether or not he is eligibility next season or not. He was listed as a freshman by FAU last year, listed as a senior by Penn state this year, the Australian he, he's an older guy. Uh, so I'm, I, we, we asked Stacy Collins, a special teams coordinator uh, when he was on the one assistant coach call a few weeks ago about Riley. And he just said, yeah, we're going to have a conversation with him after the season. So, We're not giving anything away on if Riley Thompson will be the punter next year or not. We'll we'll just have to to wait for maybe maybe a a bowl media day down in um you know in in state college, Bob, or in Atlanta to see if we can talk to Riley and and ask what's up. But uh, those are the two early entrants right now for Penn State, uh, and wouldn't be surprised if there's you know I wouldn't be surprised if it hits double digits. In terms of exits and maybe even, you know, in in the 15, 20 range uh, as they try to really overturn this roster and they've got a really good 2024 recruiting class coming in. So, uh, you know, you're only allowed 85 scholarship players on a roster, Bob. You can't you can't take 120.
0: Yeah. And to be fair, I think both sides. I mean, James uses the term hard conversations. Uh, I think that they're just some players that did not work out at this level for Penn State. And it's not maybe it's not all on them. I mean, <laughs> Penn State has made a ch- in the in less than, you know, in the last, what, 11 months they've fired, they've gotten rid of the wideouts coach. They've gotten rid of the OC. I don't think it could be, you could put it all on the players who really haven't surfaced at wideout. But traditionally, Johnny, that's a position where if you're not playing pretty early at wideout at a, at a major school, it's tough to, it's tough for that fourth year breakout. And there's a couple of guys maybe in their second and third year now that, and in, even in their fourth year that. It might be best for to for them if they really want to play football, uh, they're gonna have to probably have to play wide out somewhere else. And and like like you said, I do think if I was gonna over under this about uh, transfer portal guys, I think I would lean towards uh, double digits as well.
1: Yeah, and and also you know those listeners like keep in mind, I, I don't think anyone listening to this podcast would take this approach. But I've seen some people on Twitter, you know, when you put out like, oh, Christian Driver is in the portal or you know, whoever's in the portal and you know, most of the responses are positive, wishing them best of luck, all that. You see some of some people saying like, "Oh, who?" or you know, like, "Oh, good riddance." And it's like, you know, come on, guys! Like, you know, they came to Penn State looking for an opportunity to play. It's a big time program. You know, for a lot of a lot of high school players would kill to play for Penn State, uh, and it just doesn't work out for some of these guys. They're looking to play, and frankly, Penn State is looking to shed you know shed scholarships and and bring in guys who might make an impact. So. Yeah, you know, a lot of these players, um, you know, some of them might you know feel hard done by. Some of them might just be thankful for the experience. But regardless, you know, th- there are some entrapments and some bad things that come out of the portal. You know, guys not landing on their feet elsewhere. But uh, this is just a you know, if, if someone enters the portal, just you know, just just thank them and and, and go <laughs> on your way. Don't don't bad mouth anyone. <laughs> don't bad mouth you know nineteen year old uh, football players who are wanting to play football. Yeah.
0: Well said, Johnny. I do agree. I want Johnny. I want the whole podcast, the whole podcast, without mentioning the Philadelphia Eagles and the upcoming game this Saturday in Big D. I think I'm gonna just leave. I'm just gonna leave it alone. I'm. I just gonna reference the fact that they're playing Saturday. Stakes are pretty high, uh, and uh, I know that we're both gonna look forward to that game. But we're really gonna be looking forward to the next couple of weeks because there's gonna be a lot of movement within Penn State's program. Pro and con. You know, we haven't even talked about you know Manny Diaz, but. You know, it's just going to be it's this is the way it's going to be. January, uh, December and January are going to be just very active. (laughs) I don't want to say the bowl game is an afterthought. I really don't. But when you look at the big picture of Penn State's program about all the stuff they have to accomplish, about the early signing day that's coming up, you know, uh, later this month. um, I don't know that it's maybe number one on James Franklin's priority list right now, but uh, I just think it's going to be a wild ride and we're going to be shaking our heads at some of the maybe some of the people that leave. Uh, maybe some of the people that opt out, but I mean, that's, that's the world we live in, right? Everyone's got a right to do what they want to do. And it's going to unfold probably one, like you said, once it starts, it's, it's, it's just going to be like a, a domino effect or a snowball effect. And I think Penn state's going to be
1: very, very busy, Johnny, uh, the next six weeks. I agree. I agree, Bob. And, and just one, one last thing on that, on all that portal movement, whether it's, you know, guys leaving guys coming in guys getting offered, any you know, news like a Julian Fleming entering the portal, uh, we have a Penn State Transfer Portal Tracker on penlive.com. Uh, Going to be updating that throughout the next month. Whenever anything happens, you can you know, bookmark that link, come back to it. Uh, everything you'll need to know uh, about movement in the portal regarding Penn State will be there. So check that out. If you want to just type it up, it's Penn State Transfer Portal Tracker. Live updates on departures, arrivals, offers, and more news. Click the link, save it, do all that good stuff. Yeah, Johnny's been and Johnny's been gracious enough. He's going to try and stay up
0: for the next uh, 168 <laughs> hours. Is a full week. Yeah. It's going to be a lot of caffeine. He he's got an emergency cot next to his computer. He's just going to try and stay up. It's going to be about it's going to be about Penn State. It's going to be about the transfer portal, potential opt outs. Birds, cowboys, like he doesn't really have any reason to sleep anyway. So just follow Johnny and follow follow uh, Penn Live's uh, Penn State portal tracker. Uh, a lot of news to get to, but Johnny, looking forward to uh, the next couple of weeks, and hopefully you will get
1: some sleep. Go, birds, Bob. This has been the Blue White
0: Breakdown, brought to you by Penn Live.